0: Hey, it is week two spitting lugs with our friend Tom Lugenbill from ESPN. I'm Lance Taylor from the next round. Lugs, what is up? Week zero is in the books. Um, nothing too exciting. I know you talked <laughs> a away about this a little bit. My yeah. Trojans defense looks about like it looked last year, but I don't know how many. Remember when we talked about that by
1: the way yeah. last week. We were like, what What does SC need? At do they need to win seventy seven to three? Or I think you might have hit the score on the head. Does it need to be 56 to 28 or what have you? It's exactly what happened.
0: <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, it, it took me forever to get the Pac-12 network. Again, one of the reasons that league, unfortunately, is dissolving. How'd you get busy. it? Uh, so I used – well, it wasn't an app. All, all of our listeners said, you've got to go to this uh, Uzi. It's an app you can get Major League Baseball, the NBA. You can get uh, the Pac-12 network. So I went to download it. I went to the internet. I had to go to the website to pull it okay. on. I dropped it on American Express. I started watching pregame and the Pac-12 network. And I was like, okay, this is working. Right when the game ticked, it started buffering nonstop. Oh. And yeah, uh, yeah. The, it, my girl tells me, hey, um, it's because this is illegal and everybody's jumping on the broadcast right now. <laughs> so then I went and did a 24-hour um, trial membership to Fubo which I forgot to cancel. And so they charged the card like $479. Yeah. And so I ended up canceling that. So I'm going back on this app to see if it works. I don't know. Anyway, watching the game, you know, giving up third and 22 to Cadero, you know, running the football. Uh, The defensive backs looked a little lost at times. You know, my takeaway was if the offensive line can hold up, they can outscore anybody. But at the same time, they're going to be in a lot of track meets.
1: They're gonna, yeah, they're going to be in a lot of one-possession games. And, you know, they allowed 7.3 yards a carry last week. Terrible. I mean, holy smokes. But anyway, that was last week. They did look phenomenal on offense.
0: Yeah, anything else that you take from week zero?
1: You know, I, I, and I've said this to a lot of people, I, I'm, I've been really surprised by the reaction to Sam Hartman's performance. I mean, we are talking about a player, right, that that has started 46 games. He's thrown for almost thirty or 13,000 yards he wasn't just going to go in there and lay an egg. Right. I mean, I think that um, he should have played like that. Now they were, they, they they completely outmanned Navy. I mean, it was a, it looked like varsity and JV, but let, let's see Notre Dame. Let's see Sam Hartman when they start playing maybe some other teams that are, that are stacked up a little bit differently and, and, and can go toe to toe with them. But I wasn't surprised by, by what he'd done, having seen him in the past and just knowing how much football he's played. It's a big deal. It means a lot.
0: Yeah, we talked about it last week. I'm a big Sam Hortman fan. I've been a big fan for years, and what he's been able to do against teams like Clemson and Florida State. So I've got no – this doesn't surprise me at all. I don't think the spotlight's going to be too big, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see Ohio State and Notre Dame. Again, we really don't know much about Navy, but I think this Notre Dame team, if those wide receivers can develop, could be pretty good.
1: Yes, and I think that's the one area where he actually had better players – is the wide receiver spot. There were better players at Wake Forest than there is right now um, at, at Notre Dame. But that, that offensive line, the, the running back uh, room, like they're going to be a hellacious uh, play-action team. They're going to see so much one-high safety because everybody's going to have to load the box, and he's going to get a lot of one-on-one matchups. And so I expect them to make uh, some plays on the outside just because some of those guys are really big, and you can just throw it up and let them go get it.
0: It's Spittin' Luke's with ESPN's Tom Luganbill. I'm Lance Taylor for the next round right here on Disrupt Media. It is brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. Football is back. So it was winning season at MyBookie. NFL college football brand new cash out system gives you options to bet and win all season long. To get started, go to mybookie.ag now. Register for an account for free. When you're ready to make that first deposit, just mention the promo code next round and you're going to grab that welcome bonus. It is on the house. Okay, let's start first with this. So, TCU, Colorado, uh, 11 o'clock on Fox. We have got Tennessee goes at 11 o'clock hosting Virginia on ABC. Both had incredible quarterback play last year and both kind of surprises of college football. TCU obviously ultimately playing for the national championship with Max Duggan. Uh, Hendon Hooker had statistically the best season in Tennessee football history. And Tennessee ends up winning 11 games, and they were in the mix. If they would have beaten South Carolina, they go to a college football playoff. But if I ask you which – quarterback has a better chance to emulate last year's numbers. Is it Chandler Morris at TCU or do you think it's Joe Milton under Josh Heupel?
1: Um, just from a consistency of performance standpoint, I would say it's Chandler Morris. If I'm going based off of the offensive scheme and what we've seen just about every single quarterback that's played in it do, you kind of have to lean towards Joe Milton in Tennessee, but I get concerned there. Because he's been so streaky his entire career. And for all of his athletic gifts, he doesn't play uh, with consistent accuracy and consistent production. He's a lot like Jeff Sims was at Georgia Tech, who's going to be starting a quarterback, I think, for Nebraska on Thursday night. But the offense tells me I should pick Tennessee. The, the the quarterback who played well when he played two years ago and then earned the starting job in Chandler Morris at TCU last year before getting hurt in their opener tells me he will be the more consistent performer. So I'm going to give the slight edge to TCU. You know,
0: going back to TCU, it seems like with all those one possession wins last year that they're a team that really could drop back to four or five losses. But talking to you last week, you're high on TCU and what Sonny Dykes has been able to do here in year two.
1: I just think they have a better roster than people give them credit for. And and you're right. You know, they they not only won one possession games, but they won a lot of road games. And they won – or not a lot of that. They won their road games. But they just kind of did everything right. And everything kind of fell into place for them. And sometimes you need that to happen to have, to have a special season, there's no doubt. But I thought they did a nice job in the transfer portal replenishing some of their losses, particularly at wide receiver uh, and running back. Um, I feel like they know exactly who they are and exactly who they do have at quarterback, and they're, they have confidence now. You know, I, I, to me, that, that carries a lot of weight. Not to say Tennessee doesn't have confidence. Surely off of last season, how could you not have confidence? Um, you know, both are replacing a marquee player at wide receiver, so you've got to come up with an answer there um, for, for both teams. But uh, I just think TCU, yeah, let's just say you cut half of those one-possession games in half. And they lose them. I still think they are a capable eight to nine win roster and can compete for the conference title in that league.
0: So Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, really good wide receivers. I know you're yeah. referencing Quentin Johnston, but Bru McCoy. He he was a fascinating guy. You know, from early on, is he going to Texas? Is he going to <laughs> USC? And watching him in that abbreviated 2020 season, you saw some flashes. You saw some flashes last year could he be that go-to guy this year for Tennessee
1: i think early on he's going to have to be he's going to have to be the one that joe milton can depend on and rely on and until they break in you know some of their other targets and and find out who some go-to guys are some guys that can complement him um so he doesn't see all of the attention de- defensively but i listen that offense to me and, and of course, there's been a, a, a wide variety of them, whether it's Jeff Levy at Oklahoma, whether it's uh, Dana Holgerson, whether it's Art Briles, you know, Josh Heifel and, and a slew of others. But uh, there's always going to be good enough skill in that offense, in my, in my opinion. Now, the, the one thing you might see a little less of is just the wide open Jalen Hyatt type downfield routes that we saw a lot of last year. You know, maybe some of those are a little bit more contested. Or maybe you don't quite get that matchup as often as as you'd like it, because that offense, from a half field read perspective, it 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 is set up to create one on one downfield shots if you're not in the RPO game. And so we'll see if they've got a guy that can take the top off just like they did last year.
0: All right, Spittin' Lukes with Tom Lugenbill from ESPN. He's got the uh, Duke-Clemson game, which we will get to here in a little bit, coming up on Monday night. It's brought to you by lanceslock.com. Football season's here. If you want to win, jump on board going into year number nine. We've only had one losing season, 57% last year in college football, 58% in the NFL. Jump on board daily, weekly, monthly, annual packages, lanceslock.com. Okay, so – I didn't see 2021 coming for Mel Tucker in Michigan State. I didn't see last year coming for Sonny Dykes and TCU. If I ask you better situation in first year, we'll see Matt Rule in Nebraska play Minnesota on Thursday night. We'll see Hugh Freeze finally make his debut for Robert against Mass on Saturday. Um, I heard today that Matt Rule's got anywhere from 63 to 65 new players that are coming in. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So that roster is a total unknown. The same for Hugh Freeze. I forgot what the number is. I think it's in the 40s for Auburn and Hugh Freeze. But which one of these coaches has a better opportunity to get better each and every week with that roster and maybe beat a team or two they should?
1: I, w- I, I would lean towards Auburn because I think he inherited a better nucleus of players, of uh, 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 more definitives, of returning starters, not counting the guys that they brought in through the transfer portal – and whether it ends up being Peyton Thorne for the entire season or a mix there as Robbie Ashford, I think will still be have a package and be a part of the run game. I think they're going to be a more consistent football team under center. I really believe that. Um, Nebraska's got some components coming back on defense as well. I just don't know if there's talented top to bottom. And I don't trust Jeff Sims. I, I, I think Jeff Sims is uh, uber talented, but he, for whatever reason, has never been able to put it together. And he's battled some injury issues too. So that that leads me to to look at at Hugh. Hugh Freeze gets his quarterbacks to play well, right? And and he's had a variety of different styles and shapes and levels of athleticism. Uh, I think they're going to be good. And then they've got enough guys on defense, a really experienced group on defense coming back. Um, that I, I think they'll be the better of the two teams.
0: So Matt Rule is a fan of the next round. He's got gear. Um, I'm a big fan of Matt Rule. Me too. He- you go back, your network was there in Philadelphia when Temple, I think they hosted Notre Dame on yeah. a Saturday night. And and Temple shouldn't be that good. And no. that was Matt Rule building that program. Now you go, now you go, <laughs> I save there. Now you go to a program like Nebraska, who's got one of the best fan bases out there. Now Nebraska's obviously take to dip. We remember back in the 90s when that was, you know they were dominating college football. Yeah. How is well, let me ask you this first. How is Nebraska's collective? I know it's always been difficult to recruit there post Tom Osborne, but it seems like they got incredible fans so you would think that they would have money they would want to give to the program.
1: They have everything you could possibly want as a college football athletically resourced institution except for one very important thing and that is proximity to elite players. And That's where the challenge is at Nebraska now, because, you know, forget name, image and likeness, forget uh, the transfer portal. Those things can obviously help you. And from a collective standpoint, yes, Nebraska can play with the big boys in that game. But when it comes to recruiting and recruiting has become such an, an accelerated race now. So it's identifying and getting kids to your campus, to your camp when they're freshmen, sophomores, juniors and having them come on to your facility and into your town. And that's really hard to do. That's really, really hard to do because you're oftentimes having to go multiple states away, right. To have access to the caliber of player that you would need to have to compete or win a, a power five conference championship. So that means you're going into everybody else's backyard too, against other competitors that have similar resources uh, to you. So, You know, I, when you, when you look at the map of the United States and you look at Nebraska and look at the States that they border on, South Dakota, Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, Wyoming, Colorado, right? So pretty good. Do you have a map in front of you? No, I've just, I've studied the numbers on this one. And, um, and it's so in those bordering States, right? We might have. On average, 8 to 12 players a year that would be in the ESPN 300 combined in those states, including the state of Nebraska. So, again, when a, you know, a Clemson, an Auburn, a Georgia, an Ohio State, uh, an LSU can, as a coaching staff member, can get in their car and drive 30 miles in any direction and come in contact with probably 50 elite players, that's a big challenge for Nebraska. Not saying that it can't be done, but it hasn't been done yet. Um, you know, you referenced the 80s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and I've, often, I've said this tongue-in-cheek, but I do think there's some truth to it. The, the decline of Nebraska's football program kind of occurred at the advent of cable television. Because if you remember back in the old days, there was only a handful of teams playing on national television because there was, what, three or four networks? right? There were only so many bowls, right? So not everybody was going to a bowl. Then cable television happened, and all this influx of money started to happen. So guess what? The arms race was created. More bowls start to come on onto the scene. Everybody's playing on television. We reduced scholarships from 105 to 85. We have limited walk-ons now. We used to have unlimited walk-ons, which was a huge advantage for Nebraska's programming. It's a storied program on the walk-on side of things. So I think the landscape changed in a way that did not help them. And then when you remove yourself from the Big 12 and you go into the Big 10 and parents or families or what have you aren't necessarily going to be able to see their son play when he comes to play, let's just say, in a given year at Baylor, at TCU, and at Texas, right? Because those games are gone now. So I just – there's challenges there that weren't there in the 90s, plain and simple.
0: Yeah. Hey, when I talk to uh, younger guys, and I tell them one of the best college players I ever saw was Tommy Frazier, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Come on, a Nebraska quarterback." And oh. I'm like, "Dude, in that system was incredible." I wanted to ask you, how well would his game translate today? I just didn't see him throw the football enough.
1: Better than then, I think so, because yeah. I think you're essentially taking everything he did, backing him up, and putting him in the shotgun. You're 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 still single wing football. Um, zone read, you'd still have all the motion stuff. You'd have quarterback counter quarterback power, um, uh, the keep off of the, off the zone, like moving the pocket, throwing on the run. I think he would have been a nightmare in today's game.
0: It's Spittin' Lugs with ESPN's Tom Luginbill. We do this each week right here on Disrupt Media. It's brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. Remember, you can get started really simple, MyBookie.ag. Register for that account for absolutely free. When you're ready to make your first deposit, use that promo code next round. You'll grab the welcome bonus. It's on the house at MyBookie.ag. So one of the best games in all of September last year in the regular season was UTSA hosting Houston. Three overtimes. I think it was uh, like 37-35, and we get that rematch again this weekend, 6 o'clock, Fox Sports 1. It's in Houston. UTSA, Frank Harris coming back for year number six. Yeah, Here he gets a million-dollar NIL deal. I think Jeff Trailers is one of the best coaches, not only in the group five, in all of college football. I love this UTSA team this year. I don't know what to expect out of Houston with Clayton Toon now going to the NFL, yeah. playing for the Arizona Cardinals. Seems like Holgerson, even after eight wins last year, is on a little bit of a hot seat. What do you expect in this matchup and these two teams for 2023?
1: I I expect a very evenly matched ball game. What I think is really interesting is it's a different style of quarterback now for Houston with Donovan Smith coming over from Texas Tech. You know, you essentially went from Clayton Toon, who, by the way, made the Arizona Cardinals 53-man roster. Um, You kind of go from a, we're going to throw it. We're going to do all this and that. And now you have this guy that adds just so much more to make you more difficult to defend. So I'm going to be interested to see, you know, the type of fun that that Dana Holgerson has with his quarterback that now can provide an element that maybe they didn't have with with, with Clayton Toon. And just as I say that, they're playing against a team that returns a the bulk of their roster. Won, what, 11 games last year, right? And the quarterback's going into his seventh year. Like To me, there's huge advantages there. Um, what are you going to throw at him that he hasn't seen so far? You know, of age and maturity and and the amount of snaps that he's taken. Uh, I like UTSA, the slight edge of this one.
0: You know, last year it was Tulane representing the group five. Nobody saw that really coming. Right. Um, if I was to, and, and they're the favorite this year, if you look at Vegas totals, I said one of my three Friday guarantees last week was UTSA will go 11-1, and and they will represent the Group 5 this year. There's a lot of other teams in the mix. I mean, South Alabama and Troy right here in state are really good. Yeah. Um, You know, obviously we mentioned Tulane. If I had to put you on the spot and say, give me a Group 5 that will represent this year, do you have anybody in mind?
1: I would say it's either South Alabama or UTSA. Okay, I think I, I think, and and again, that game with Tulane this week, obviously, a, that's an important one for something like that to happen. But and that's um,
0: a, that's a tough start for Willie Fritz. You've got South Alabama, and then next week you got Ole Miss rolling it.
1: I know, and I, I have that Ole Miss game as well. Um, you know, off the short week of, of the Clemson FSU game, and and I ended last season prior to our bowl game having the American Athletic Conference championship. And and you're right, and and Tulane is also replacing three. Coordinators. All three of their coordinators are, are, are brand new. Um, and they've lost some some pretty good components on defense, but their quarterback Michael Pratt's coming back. And uh, you know, what they did to SC in the Cotton Bowl, like they won't be intimidated by Ole miss. Now, can they play with old miss? I don't know. We'll find out. But old miss going in there, and I mean it's going to be a 230 kick. It's going to be hot and muggy. Um, that thing should be real interesting. If, if Tulane obviously can get past South Alabama, I think, it's got a really good football team. I love me some New
0: Orleans. It's one of my favorite places to go. It's a little mm. dirty. It's a little <laughs> dangerous. I just don't like it in the heat. I hate. Oh. I hate my balls sweating when I'm on Bourbon Street.
1: Oh man, you're you're so right. And just imagine having to wear a uh, shirt and tie. Yeah. Wow. Uh, while so you're will doing you, it.
0: Will you stay a night? Will you stay? Well, I guess you'll be in production meetings on Friday night, so you'll be there Friday night. And mm-hmm. what time's the game kick? Two thirty.
1: We're 2.30, but uh, because of my Sunday Sirius XM show, I can't get home to do it. So I'll stay the night, do the show from the hotel room, and then fly home the next day. You can have fun a little house. fun. You
0: can have a little fun around the game.
1: Sure, yeah. You I have, think the, you that, that's fun. Alabama, Texas that night, right? It
0: is, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to to decide if we're going to go down Tuscaloosa or not. It's just going to be so damn hot, and there's so many good games next weekend. Oh. I mean, I'm excited. People are dogging out the slate for week one, but there's like four or five, premier games. We're about to get to one of those in a second, but I'll take anything we can get at this time of year.
1: Yeah, listen, the fact that we saw real live football and we were watching and evaluating and enjoying it and not talking about conference realignment. I think that's all anybody could ask for whether it's week zero or week one.
0: That's a win. Uh, we will get to some entertainment here in a little bit on Spitting Lugs. It's brought to you by Lance's Lock.com. Again, football season is here. It is time to win. We're coming off an incredible fall last year. Again, we've only had one losing season. You can get daily packages, weekly packages, monthly packages, annual packages, free play every single day, Lance's Lock.com com. Okay, uh, LSU Florida State, that is the premier game. I think if you asked 100 people, they're going to say their number one game that they have to watch is LSU Florida State. Two legitimate top six, seven teams. Two legitimate teams to go to a college football playoff this year. Um, last year that was one of the most disgusting games. It had a lot of drama at the end, Luganville, yeah. but there were turnovers, there were penalties, Swappy. block kicks, yeah. It wasn't aesthetically a great product. It seems like these two coming in are kind of fine-tuned and ready to roll.
1: Yeah, I think these two teams are geared up big time, and you know what? Uh, especially on the LSU side of things, offensively, they know so much more about who they are, right? Like I don't, I, I didn't feel like in that opener they 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 unleashed Jaden Daniels and just turned him loose, which they end up doing as the season progressed. They didn't know that Mason Taylor was going to be a difference maker, right? They started two offensive tackles that were true freshmen, right? and 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 it's a brand new scheme in year one, new coaches, and they just quite honestly, they made more mistakes, right? That's what it was. And, and, and it, it, I think, I think we'll see a lot less of that. I think we'll see a much cleaner football game. Both teams are ultra confident. Um, uh, I, I, I don't like the Mason Smith ruling that's for another conversation, but that's a big blow. I mean, that's arguably the best defensive tackle potentially in, in college football. And, um, and and i and i listen I, I think lsu's got a chance to be really really good now jaden daniels can't regress like he can't do if you remember his freshman year at arizona state and then his sophomore and junior year he regressed so we 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 need to see him take another step up and they could they could be really good and then you know on the florida state side you know i'm going to be very very interested to see how they handle all of this hype like how they handle all of this adulation and pats on the back because for decades they were a program that dealt with that it was just it was a part of their culture everybody knew they were going to be good they knew they were going to be good they go out and play good but this group so far that's been in the program that that Mike Norvell's taken over they haven't had an offseason like this right they haven't had the types of off seasons where everybody on campus is so excited because there's a potential college football playoff team or a potential national championship contender. And that's going to happen now. And, you know, what, what do they do? Do they, they, they use as the motivation? Does it tighten their focus? Or does it go the other way on them, where they get so caught up in it that they don't meet the expectation and they disappoint? And I don't know what to expect in that realm, just because we, we haven't seen it yet. But I do know one thing. Mike Norvell fixed that locker room. Mike Norvell fixed what was going on internally there, whatever it was, um, because even on some of those down years, and, and our crew had them. You didn't walk on the field and look at Florida State and say they didn't have athletes. Like you didn't look around, and go, oh, they got, you know, they got no players. You know, what well, they're running around with Cam Akers, right? They're, they're running around with 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 a lot of guys, and they just weren't very good. I, I didn't think as a team, and I think that dynamic is probably mike norvell's greatest achievement to this point
0: yeah i agree with you 100 i can't wait to see how they handle the hype the last time we saw them this hyped up they opened up against alabama deandre francois he goes out of the game they get blown out everything seemed to fall apart for that program after that game that night
1: and wasn't that five and two like they were number five versus number two yeah. wasn't it yep. yeah it sure was so it's like yeah and, and you're like what happened like it all just it all just and, and i think again Oftentimes that's about people more so than it is sometimes about a lack of talent.
0: Okay. So I've talked to people that are casual college football fans and they're like, we've got a Monday night game. It's labor day. I don't have to work. (laughs) And then they look at it and they're like, Oh damn, it's Clemson at Duke. And I try (laughs) to tell people, Mike Elko is one of these guys, watching him as a defensive coordinator, dude knows football. In and, and year one, Duke was not an easy out. They whipped Miami's ass down in Miami. Um, mm-hmm. This is a team that's got a quarterback in Riley Leonard, one of the more versatile quarterbacks in all of college football. And I expect Clemson to be better. Um, I think Klumnik's going to be better. I don't know where you sit on Clemson. I've got them in the college football playoff this year. But I still think Duke can make this a competitive game for qu- four quarters. Do you agree? And you'll be there.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be there. And seeing how they played last year um, was, was really the key to all of it. Like if you did a coaching clinic on what are the necessary things you have to do right to ensure a win, like, you know, it would be field position, third down conversion rate, turnover margin, um, red zone scoring percentage. Like there would be all these things that would dictate outcomes in your favor. And they literally did all of them, right? Like all of them plus 16 in turnover margin when they were over 40% on third down, they were eight and one. Okay. They created negative plays on defense, which means they flip field position often. And the question is, can they duplicate that? Like, can, can they go out against a team that as an overall two or three deep is going to have better players in Duke? Let's, let's call it what it is. That's okay. Um, but can they go out and have that type of winning football um, to keep them in that game in, in in four quarters? What I've seen on tape so far, and what 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 they've shown me in terms of their style of play, I think the answer is probably yes. I really do. I, I they, they'll be well prepared. They are. Um, they've got a ton of experience, and and you know I've said this. I think on on the show with you guys before I think Riley Leonard might be one of the most underrated and underappreciated quarterbacks in the country I mean and he's not just a thrower he can do all the other stuff with his legs he kind of reminds me he looks a little bit like a, a shorter Justin Herbert a little bit uh, oh, wow. not much shorter but you know he's really long and he's got a really long stride when he runs super accurate with the football um and again, I think when you're a first-year head coach and you inherit what was assumed to be a dumpster fire and you happen to have a quarterback fall in your lap, like it gets you off the mat quicker, right? Like if you hit on a quarterback early, like Mac Brown did with Sam Howell, all right, And then all of a sudden your fortune, fortune changes like really fast, really fast. And so uh, that's what happened with Duke. Now they got to carry it over into this year because I think you're right. I think Clemson is very, very good. Clemson's in the spot where they like to be, with people talking about everybody else, so they can just go over and, as Dabo would put it, be little old Clemson. And uh, so we'll, we'll see what the improvements are, how Garrett Riley impacts the offense, um, how Cade Clubnick fits into that offense, and let's not forget, you know, those two are very familiar with each other because you know, he would have seen a lot of Kate Klubnick in high school. They would have actively recruited him hard while he was at either SMU or or TCU. So there's plenty of familiarity there.
0: You know, I was surprised, and not to get into uh, any Colorado bashing, but Travis Hunter was your first-team All-American when it came to all-purpose guy. Will Shipley was second-team. I'm a huge Will Shipley guy. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if Clemson wins the ACC, goes to a college football playoff, and he's got like thirty total touchdowns this year, and he's in New York as a Heisman finalist.
1: He could legitimately, he could legitimately line up in the slot on every play and play wide receiver. That's how good he is in the passing game. So I mean, he's, he's question, Christian McCaffrey, right? But he's bigger. He's a lot yeah. bigger. Yeah, He probably and doesn't
0: have McCaffrey's speed,
1: but maybe not. Uh, but he's fast enough. He's one of those guys that's as fast as whoever's chasing him. Right, my and man so, Cooper Cup. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And so the thing that's gonna be interesting though is I think Clemson believes they've got a two headed monster at running back. They really like Phil Moffa. He's 6'1", 230 pounds. Do you remember when Lincoln Riley had those teams at Oklahoma when he was a coordinator and they had Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan on the field at the oh, same yeah. time? Yeah, yeah. I think we're gonna we're gonna see a little bit of that. I, I really do. We're gonna we're gonna see a little bit of that. I think Dabble loves the running back room. Um, And that could be a little bit of a twist to that offense that, you know, people haven't seen in years past.
0: Holy hell, this has been like way too serious. 30 plus minutes on Spitting lugs with ESPN's Tom Bill. So let's <laughs> transition a little bit into entertainment. Dunaway right. gives me a hard time on the next round about, I don't know how you have so much time to watch movies. Like last night, my little man, who by the mm-hmm. way turned 16 today, he has never seen Goodwill Will Hunting. So. Uh, We sat down and we watched that. Of course, he thought it was fantastic. I've probably seen it 20 times. So that's not a hidden gem. We're going to try to give you a hidden gem each and every week, whether it's TV or film. Do you have anything to throw out there today?
1: Yeah, I have a couple of them. One's probably more of a hidden gem. The other one, I'm actually a little bit late to, released earlier in the summer, but uh, got onto Lioness, Taylor Sheridan's new show on Paramount, which is more of a... I haven't heard about it. Yeah, it's more of a Middle East special ops... You know, military type thing, really, really good. And they waste no time like jumping into things like immediately. Really good. Zoe Saldana's in it. Uh, A bunch of actors that you've seen before, but you go, where do I know that guy from? Right. Uh, Nicole Kidman's in it. Uh, So, so is that that, one? I
0: I guess that's probably um, um, paramount, right? It's got to be paramount. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm really enjoying that uh, kind of unexpectedly. And then there's this documentary on HBO Max that's produced actually by our boy, Kenny Powers, Danny McBride. Um, It's called telemarketers.
0: I saw it, but I hate telemarketers so much. Oh, you'll hate them after this.
1: Okay. This should I, so definitely watch it. I would watch it. I was, we didn't know what to expect, but the conduct of these people and, and their day to day, like I don't know how this field even exists, Lance. And when you see it, you'll you'll understand why I say that. So, those two for me, um, uh, pretty pleased with. And then I'm looking forward to. I don't know when I'm gonna have the time to do it now that the season started, but I, I do want to see um, the Equalizer three. I'm hoping it's better than two. I don't know if they can top one because I thought Equalizer one was really really good
0: uh, and Denzel's so good and everything. But watching the trailer he looks like he's getting a little old. I mean, we're yeah. all going to get old, yeah. but you just wonder how long Liam Neeson and Denzel
1: Washington can whip 20 people's ass in one movie. <laughs> do you think do you, do you think Liam Neeson has like a lifetime contract? I don't know who the studio would be, but a lifetime contract to release one action movie a year? I think he does.
0: And I think he got like a shit ton of money on the front side. What yeah. blows me away at Schindler's List, fantastic movie. Not one of those you want to watch three or four times. But if you would have told me this guy um, now he did, he he did next to Ken before that he was Briar. He was Patrick Swayze's brother. So yep. he did a little action there. But if I would have gone Schindler's list back in the mid nineties to where he is now, I never would have thought his career arc would be a guy in his
1: uh, mid to late sixties whipping people's asses. I, I wouldn't have seen that either. It, just like a, a complete, it's almost like he saw this niche and decided what the hell I'll do. Taken. And then Taken turns into twenty other movies. Like it's it's unbelievable. They're pretty good. Yeah. I like them. I like it, the movies it, he's it's in. Good
0: for, yeah, I mean, I liked Gray. Remember where he was the? Uh, oh, Gray girl. was fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought That was really good. I like Taken. Um, you know, I remember Liam Neeson though. In do you remember the movie from the late seventies, Excalibur? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. He, he was, was in that. actually in that. Gabriel Byrne was in that. He's Dark Man.
1: Yeah, I remember Dark Man. Yeah, he's (laughs) had a great career. Oh, to go back to last week, and I recommended Talk To Me for you. Have you checked that out yet? Well, it's only at the theaters. Oh, it is? It's not streaming anywhere? No. Okay. I I haven't seen it streaming. When it is, get on there. And then I think when we're on the next round, might have been a week or two ago, I told you about a show that's hard to find because nobody has MGM Plus. War of the Worlds. Guess what? I got it with Fubo. Bro, start watching it. It's awesome. (laughs) And it's not what you think it is. Okay. They're going to lead you to believe it is, but it's not. And it is. They're
0: not going to give me a political message, are they?
1: No, we're going to have none of that nonsense. Okay, good. It is going, but it's a twist on the HG Wells thing, but they go down a different path. It's really smart. And I I just remembered it because it's Gabriel Byrne. Okay. And so, and that's what made me uh, think about it.
0: Okay. Well, I'll throw one out there. Zero, zero, zero with Gabriel Byrne. Seen it. Yeah, it's on Amazon. And yeah, I never really heard good. anybody talk about it. It was one and done. It was I think in 2020. I think it was during the pandemic or 2021. Yeah. Uh, but if if you like organized crime that spans across the globe and how all the pieces come okay. together, that's a really good yeah. one-off series. Uh, hey, this is Spittin' Luke's. We do it every single week with ESPN's Tom Luganville. It is brought to you by MyBookie. Again, football season is back, and so is winning season. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag when you're ready to make that first deposit. Use that promo code next round. Grab that welcome bonus on the house from MyBookie. AG always great stuff. Enjoy Durham, North Carolina. Yeah, um, I would assume you probably have a little bit more fun in New Orleans the week after. But uh, you know what?
1: It, maybe, maybe so. I don't know. But this weekend's really special for me because the game's on Monday. I actually get to see my son play a high school football game, and he's going into his senior year. And I don't—that never happens for me. So now is he a quarterback like you were? No, he, hes a long snapper. Okay. <laughs> Pretty good one, too. So, I think hey, he's gonna you can know have opp- some opportunities.
0: Now, was this your, your, like, when you got him in the game early on, were you like, hey, look, there's a specialized position that people get scholarships for, and actually people get pl- paid big dollars on Sunday to play this position now, and nobody wants to be a long snapper.
1: It's yeah. actually brilliant. So, full disclosure, until he was about 11 and a half years old, his entire world revolved around Legos and superheroes, Right. And I never pushed sports on him because I was the son of a coach. And one of the reasons why I think I love the game so much, I love to play it. I love to coach it. I love to broadcast about it was because my dad didn't force it upon me. If I wanted to go play piano, go play piano. So I just let him be and be a kid and have fun. And then he came to us all of a sudden and said, I think I want to play flag football. Like, okay, great. It's a great way to start. And uh, and then he said, I think I want to actually play tackle football in middle school. I said, okay, but I don't want you to play until you're in seventh grade. So I noticed early he was bigger than everybody at that time. So he was playing center a little bit and then he was playing defensive end and he was out in our front yard and he just kind of leaned forward and took, and and this is when I knew he didn't snap the ball with one hand. He took both hands on it and like snapped it. He was 12, 12 and a half maybe. So he starts buying in, right? Like he gets really good. And fortunately in my world, I have some resources that I can put him with to help train him and get him pretty good. And exactly what you just said happened. So he goes from seventh and eighth and ninth grade, and he's all in. Then high school hits, and it's not cool to be the long snapper. So now it's I only want to rush the passer. I only want to play defense. The other kids are catching up to him size wise. I could tell that he was never probably going to be big enough to be an every down player, but he would he could be big enough to be a long snapper. And I and I. I regretted this, and I'm glad I stepped back. I credit my wife for it. I pushed him, man, and I was like, "Quade, you're missing an opportunity here. Like, get back to the long snapping." Now he long snapped. He did it because his team needed him to do it, but he wasn't like all in. Then the light went on. It would have been last December, November, December, on his own. And the next thing you know, he's out in our driveway every day with a target and a net backdrop, just snapping and snapping and snapping and snapping and snapping. And snapping. It's all he's been doing for like the last year, uh, took some unofficial visits, went to several camps. He's got some FCS offers and he's going to have some interest, I think, for some, you know, preferred walk-ons with maybe some opportunities to earn. And so I'm glad he's kind of come around to it. You know, like the <laughs> Coach once told me, the bus never leaves without the long snapper.
0: <laughs> and, and, you know, everybody talks about the pressure that's on the holder and the kicker or the punter. Nobody ever talks about the long snapper, the forgotten guy that's got to have that perfect snap. Never yeah. gets credit for it. So will he, he shoots it over your Ludes, head. <laughs> will he become the first ESPN three hundred long snapper that you put in there?
1: Absolutely not. No. <laughs> hey, it's
0: always fun, man. Again, yeah. enjoy Monday night. We're looking forward to a great weekend of Week One college football.
1: Absolutely, can't wait for next week, man. See you, buddy. See it.